Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and this is the podcast that's all about art, creativity, and learning. We all could use a little creative nudge every now and then, something that will prod us, encourage us, and give us a shot of inspiration. Well, Artistic Accomplices is the podcast that does just that. It gives you small doses of motivation and creative encouragement. So as you make, create, play, and live, I'm here to share my thoughts on art, creativity, and learning. I'm also going to interview artists, writers, educators, and much, much more. So like the gym buddy that motivates you to hit the gym on a regular basis, Artistic Accomplices is that little voice in your ear telling you to hit the studio or to pull out the paints or to pick up the pen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive into today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and I'm here to share something hopefully new, something a little bit different today. Um, So I was thinking about what I was going to talk about this week. I mean, last week, I I, I kind of feel like maybe I was a little bit down, um, kind of feeling a bit disconnected from uh, my artistic community and was just kind of putting that out there. But this time, you know, I, I was thinking about like maybe picking back up, talking about the uh the the creative blocks uh the creative myths maybe picking back up with that but then as i was thinking about it um something else popped up something else that i wanted to talk about to explore today and this is a topic that i've thought about a lot in the past i've had lots of conversations about it with uh friends with artists with educators um but it's something that i think is really important in both the artistic world as well as the education world. Um, So it does, it concerns both art teachers and artists, uh, and especially artists that are trying to learn from other artists. Um, And of of course, I'm I'm coming from it, coming to it from a visual arts standpoint. So when I'm I'm talking about artists, I'm really talking about any kind of creative endeavor where you either teach others or you learn from others. So why am I thinking about this right now? Well, it's because of a couple recent things. So first of all, I mentioned in the last podcast that I was out in Portland, Oregon in March teaching at Art and Soul, and I had a wonderful experience out there. So having that experience started bringing this uh, topic up. Also, it was March, and if you're not familiar with uh, education, if you don't have children in in school, if you're not a teacher yourself, um, you might not be aware that March is Youth Art Month. And Youth Art Month is is a month for art educators, especially to really showcase what their students are doing in the schools, in the classrooms. And so I belong to several Facebook groups and uh, where a lot of art educators um, share pictures and things. So I was seeing a lot of images and um, a lot of posts about Youth Art Month and about monthly or yearly annual displays that these teachers have. So what do these things have in common? Why do these things kind of tie together in today's podcast? Well, it's because of an idea. It's, it's the idea of process versus product, where we can think about product as a project. So process versus 
pro uh, project. And the reason Art and Soul kind of brought that up at first is that, you know, when you go there, there's there's lots of classes. So it's a week of different classes, a lot of artists there teaching classes, a lot of people there taking the classes. And with many of the classes, there's a project, there's a product that comes out. So students sign up and they come out with this project. And then when I was looking on Facebook and seeing art educators, of course, they're showing pictures and images and displays of the projects that they have done with their students, sometimes throughout the whole year. And you, you see these all kind of hanging together and you see the project. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about process versus product and kind of maybe where did this come from and then how can we as artists or creative people in general and uh, and teachers so if you instruct if you teach whether it's in a school system or you teach your own lessons or you travel and teach in different studios or at different events um, hopefully that that this podcast will give you a little bit to think about so what, what what am I talking about here? You know, where did this come from? Well, I think the history of this notion of like the projects comes from teaching. I mean, really, I, I think a lot of people go into a class, whether it's an art class in elementary school or high school or even in college, or they go into you know, their favorite artists class that they're taking at a local studio or they're going to an art retreat. I think a lot of people go into those, those spaces and they expect a project. They expect to create the, the thing that's there, especially like with an artist, like you're going in and you're, you see like, oh, this is a, you know, uh, a portrait painting class. Like I'm going to go in, I'm going to paint a portrait. I'm going to learn to paint this portrait. So there's a project, an end product in mind. Um, so kind of thinking about like, where does this come from? Why do we go into a class and expect to walk out with a thing, with this like finished piece of art, this finished thing that we can then like say, hey, look what I did. And I think part of it is that it comes from schools. And you may not have, you may, well, it, it may have been a long time since you were in school. So you, you might have to think back, or maybe you're a teacher, or maybe you have uh, uh, children in school right now. But in school, most often we're given projects to do. So we're assigned projects. And if you, if you had art class, now for me personally, I didn't have an art class until I got into middle school. So when I was in elementary school, this was back uh, in the you know, late 70s, early 80s, art in elementary schools wasn't a given. And we didn't have an art teacher. So we had projects, we had assignments, we had sort of seasonal related things that our classroom teacher. So when I was in third grade, the third grade teacher would, you know, share different things. They were usually related like, oh, we're, we're going to make a jack-o'-lantern or we're going to make a Christmas tree or we're going to make a, a leprechaun. And uh, a lot of times there were patterns, things that we could trace, cut out of construction paper, but it wasn't really an art thing. It was, but it was a project. You know, we all ended up with, you know, all these little leprechauns that look the same or uh, Valentine kind of things that look the same. 
And I think that notion of, of having an assignment, of having a project is very prevalent, even still today in school. But it's not just an art class. I mean, really, if you think about like the science projects that kids have to do or the history projects or even math projects, like there, there are these kind of ideas, these things that are expected that the teacher knows what the outcome is going to be, what it's going to look like. And uh, they they just basically expect students to follow directions. And that, uh, to me, that's what I kind of think about like with a project is that it it's about following directions. Now, uh, in the 80s and 90s, especially in art education, so I'm going to speak specifically about art education, there was a movement that came about, especially whenever art was being considered like when like I said when I when I was growing up in the early 80s uh, I didn't have art in an elementary school but then in the late 80s early 90s they were bringing art back into a lot of schools and art educators and administrators had to sort of justify why why this is of value and there was a there was something that came about at that time called discipline-based art education and uh, that that came about and it really stressed like four main areas because what a lot of people that didn't really understand thought was that just you know oh art's just kind of this fun thing it's kind of like recess the kids can go in they can color and they can fling paint and they can like just kind of play around and uh, you know it's kind of more of a free-for-all and and you know there's really not any serious learning going on but art educators had to like step back and say, well, no, wait a minute here. This is what they're learning. And in discipline-based art education, there's four main components. There's art production. So that's the making of the art. That's the drawing, the painting, the sculpting. That's the skills and the techniques using different materials. There's the art history. I mean, we know so much about history because of the art that has been made throughout the history of, of humankind. And so a good art program would infuse art history. Um, the third component was art criticism. So being able to talk critically about art, about identifying the elements and the principles of design and talking about composition and placement and uh, balance and unity and all these things. And then the fourth component was art aesthetics, about making judgments about uh, what beauty beauty is, um, but also about what good art is, what good art's not, about being able to make uh, informed judges, judgments about it, not just like, ooh, I don't like that. Um, so it was a way for art educators to say, look, you know, this is, art's a serious thing. And it gave art education kind of more substance, okay? And so it, it it really allowed for art to kind of come back into lots of different schools. Now there are still schools out there that, that don't have art programs um, and art programs are usually on the chopping block whenever, you know, budget comes up. So when there's not enough money, there's usually talk about cutting the arts in some way. So whether it's music or drama or dance, well, actually a lot of places don't even have dance, um, but you know, music, visual arts, those all are kind of, kind of uh, seemed as as non-essential that they're nice to have but um, anyway so the this discipline discipline based art education gave art education more meat so that people could take it more seriously but what has kind of happened 
in the last 30 years is that some of it has resulted in projects. So um, a lot of teachers kind of looked at these four components and said, oh, I could just put components together and I can come up with projects. Uh, so if, if you have kids in school or if you're a teacher yourself, you may be familiar with some of these projects. So if I say things like Van Gogh sunflowers or Chuck Close portraits, yeah, those are artists and things that they did. Okay, so there's an art history component, but they've become projects that kids do in school. And so if you don't even have kids or you're not familiar with this, you could just look it up on the internet. You could just type in the search engine like Van Gogh sunflower art lesson. And you're going to see a lot of, and especially if you click on images, you're going to come up and see lots of things that look very identical from all across the world. Um, so this idea of projects, like I said, it's become very prevalent in not just art class, but in other classes as well. Um, so I think that's part of it. That's kind of maybe where it comes from is that we expect a project because that's kind of how it's always been. And so like when you teach, often you teach the way you were taught. So looking back to a time like, oh, when I was in school, this is how I was taught. Or if you are uh, an adult taking a class from an artist, that artist is maybe teaching a project. So if you become a teaching artist, then you you might be like, oh, well, that's the way you teach, you, you create these projects. So I think that's, that's part of it. Um, and for me though, I've, I used to teach that way, especially when I first was in public school, but over the last 15 years or so, I've switched to more about process. And when I teach, whenever I talk about art, I talk about sharing a process, like here are ideas, here are techniques, here are things that, that you could do now. What do you want to do with them? Okay. Um, and so when my buddy David and I wrote our two books for uh, Northlight, so they were uh, published by Northlight Books, big uh, arts and crafts kind of uh, uh, publisher, they had asked us, they're, they're like, hey, you know, how many projects? So with our first book, they're like, how many projects are you going to have? And we had to like kind of step back and go, well, we, we don't have projects. It's about, it's about, um, you know, process. So we have techniques. So we have like 40 some different techniques we want to share, but we don't have a project that it's step by step. Here's how you make this thing. And I think that was a little hard for Northlight and especially the editor that we were working with to kind of wrap their heads around because they were so used to books and instruction about like, here's, here are projects, here's how you make this thing. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit more about this notion of product and process. All right. So let's, let's think about these notions. So let's start off with this idea of a product or a, a uh, project. So when you think about a, a product or a project, first of all, it's very closed ended. Um, so as, as a teacher, you know, you come up with the notion, you come up with, with the way it's supposed to look. So with a project, there is at least a notion that it has to be done a certain way. It has to look a certain way. 
and that that there's a right way and a wrong way and if it doesn't look like the teacher example then it's wrong so the the it's very it's close-ended in that way that that yeah a student might choose to do something totally different with it but a lot of times the teacher's like oh no you're doing it wrong that's not the way you're supposed to do it and it's like supposed to do it i mean it's art <clears throat> so um you know very close-ended that that it's this notion that it has to be a certain way it's also very teacher directed so a project is teacher directed so if you go into an art classroom and you're seeing you know these projects that teachers are doing or you're taking a class with a teacher the teacher has made all the decisions they've decided what the procedure is for it what the step-by-step -step is for it um, what the directions are for it they've solved all the problems so they've figured out like oh this is going to be a little difficult for the students so i need to make sure that i say this or i do that or i demonstrate it this way and a lot of times there's absolutely no student choice in it or student voice and when i see some of these images on facebook especially of teachers showing their student artwork and they're showing a group of you know 25 pieces of art and they look identical it's like there's no student choice no student voice in there so the teacher becomes a dictator and there are some teachers that like even artists that teach adults that like if you if you don't follow their directions exactly they get upset you know they're they're a dictator they are basically commanding you to do it a certain way and you know that, that that's more the teacher as a dictator or the sage on the stage like the the teacher knows best so they're there to give directions yeah you're going to learn uh, technique and you're going to learn different things but it's still that that notion that like you if you're taking the class um, have no voice in it or at least very limited choice very limited voice okay and so with a with a project with a uh, very closed-ended product there's a lot of safety in that and i think that's one of the reasons why people like it and I think about those popular paint nights, you know, and you see those photos often shared on social media that uh, show everyone's kind of painted the same picture because the teacher, the instructor said, oh, now everyone paint a line like this. And it was about following directions and everyone ends up with, with the same thing. So there's no risk because the teacher has already figured it out. They already know how to do it. And oftentimes they may have taught it many many times before and so they know all the pitfalls they know where students will struggle okay um and because of this because it's so closed-ended there's it's so teacher directed that there is real no risk-taking on the student's part that it lacks authenticity for the student so like even if you're not a student if you're not taking a class maybe you're looking at somebody's work online and you're like oh i want to make that if you're just trying to copy that or you're following on, you know, a, a video tutorial and you're just following their steps and you're not putting any of your own self into it, then it doesn't have any authenticity for you. It might for the teacher because, you know, the teacher came up with the idea. Oftentimes it's based on something that they do. But I know teachers who, you know, artists that teach that will 
make up projects that have nothing to do with the kind of artwork they make. They just do it because they know it's going to be popular and, and student and, you know, people are going to like it. Um, and so, but it, it's, it doesn't allow, like I said, it doesn't allow for that student voice, that student choice, or it allows for very little. So it doesn't have a very authentic, it's, it's not very meaningful to the student. And I know some students don't, don't mind that. And, you know, thinking in public school, you know, the, a lot of times with younger kids, they just, they have no problem with that. You know, it's like, oh, they love to do things. They love following directions or well, most of them do. Um, and so it's maybe easier with younger kids to kind of have these projects that all kind of look the same. But then, you know, when I'm at some of these art retreats and I see what the students have made, it's like, oh, you all kind of made the same thing, you know? Um, and I'm not saying that every teacher's like that. I'm not saying that every situation is like that, but um, you know, there, there are ways to kind of build in student voice and student choice to have that authenticity for the students. Um, and then finally with a product, with a project, the ideas, the knowledge often is not transferable. So a lot of times students kind of see like, oh, these ideas, these techniques, these things only apply when I do this one thing. And they might not see how it could relate or be used in another situation. And I know with a lot of young students, that that happens a lot. Uh, and I, I think to a fellow teacher that I used to work with, and she was telling me a story like uh, they were... Um, they had done this project where they were talking about horizon line. So thinking about that line where the sky seems to meet the ground. And if you know anything about little kids, when they draw, they draw the sky at the very top, like the top, like inch, they'll color it blue. And at the bottom, they'll put like a, a little bit of green. And then they have all this space in between the ground and the sky. And so they don't understand that this, that because the earth is round, that the sky kind of comes down and meets the ground. You know, they just kind of think, oh, the sky's above, the ground's below. And so this teacher was, had taught students, you know, like I think they were like in third grade, and, uh, you know, they talked about horizon line. And then, like, they did a project where they all did that. And then, like, a few weeks later, they were, I think, working on a different project or they were allowed to do a free draw. And she noticed that the kids were back to putting the sky at the top and the ground at the bottom. And she couldn't understand. She's like, but, but I taught you about horizon line. Why are you not doing that? And it's because for them, oh, we only had to do the horizon line in that one project. And so they don't associate, they, they don't transfer that knowledge to other situations because this was only for this project. And then I can forget about it. And I think... I think that's where part of this one and done mentality comes from that, uh, you know, we do a project and then you're done with it. You move on to something different and that a lot of times it might use some of the same techniques, but students, both young students and even adult students often don't, it doesn't click that, that the ideas are similar or that you can use something from one project in, in another project. And, and again, I think that's because, we have this notion of this is a project. This is the way it's supposed to be done. And if you don't do it this way, then you're doing it wrong. 
And so then, you know, when you do another project, oh, that has a different set of criteria and has a different set of, of uh, steps or directions. So that, that's a few of my thoughts on this idea of a product or a project. So let's talk about process. So if you're focusing on the process, it's much more open-ended. You know, so it's it's this idea of taking a technique, an idea, and then seeing what you can do with it. So that's kind of the way I, I like to teach. I like to, whether it's teaching little kids or teaching adults, I like to share like, oh, here's how you do this. This is, here are some painting techniques. Now go experiment, go play around with it. See what you can do. How are you going to use these? Do you have any ideas of how you might use what I just shared with you in what you do. And I do that, like I said, with little kids, you know, five, six, seven years old, all the way up to adults. And it can be frustrating for some students, no matter their age, because they're so used to being told, this is how you do it. This is step-by-step what you do. And, uh, but that open-endedness, I mean, I'm all about that. Even, even whenever I have to teach something that isn't as open-ended, I'll give you an example. I, uh, I manage and run a local art center and we do a lot of birthday parties there. It's a, it's a popular thing that, you know, students, kids between probably ages six to 12 come and, you know, they have some of their friends and we do these projects, we do these things. But when I, yeah, it's a project, but I, I have it as open-ended as I can. So yeah, we're all working with paint, but what are you going to paint? And so recently I did one where the family wanted spirit animals. That was the theme of the party. And uh, so I thought about it and I was like, okay, I don't want to dictate. This is how you have to do it. So I basically found some silhouettes of animals online, printed them out made some copies so that the kids could kind of look at what the silhouette of these different animals. So I had everything from cows to elephants, to horses, dogs, cats, uh, birds, butterflies, all kind of things. And then I said, this is how I'm going to do it. You know, we only have an hour, so I can't do anything that's like super detailed. Um, I'm going to do a brightly colored background with a silhouette of my spirit animal. Feel free to do that. Or if you want to make a more realistic painting of your animal, or if you're just sitting there going, I don't want to do an animal, then paint what you like. But I showed them some uh, techniques of how to mix colors, how to blend colors together. And uh, so it was very open-ended. And because of that, then it becomes more student-directed. So even though we had this theme of spirit animals, if a, if a student decided, hey, I didn't want to do that, they could. They could make that choice. And it's not like, I, as a teacher, would be like, oh, no, you can't do that. Some, some teachers are like that, and they, 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 they have a hard time with that. Um, so when students are making decisions, when they have a choice, when they have a voice, it's much more student-directed. So it's more as the teacher as the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. And they're there to facilitate, to help, to, to show technique, to give advice. Um, so even today I was teaching a class of young, young kids and this little boy was having a hard time gluing using a, a, 
uh, you know, Elmer's glue in a bottle, getting big blobs of glue. And I had to go over there and I've shown him over and over again. I've, I've had this kid in, in a class for the last, oh, you know, probably like five or six uh, months and he's still having trouble with the glue and he still just squeeze out, squeezes out way too much. So I, I showed him, like went over, was able to work on it with him one-on-one. I didn't have to stop everybody and show everyone how to do it again. I just had to work with him. So I was there to help him get better with his technique. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he got it. And then he was doing it. He wasn't having these big blobs of, of glue. And so that's what I like. I like being the guide on the side. I like saying, here, here are some ideas. Here's some techniques. Now what are you going to do? And then I walk around and I see. And thinking back to Art and Soul, um, I did a day-long class where, yes, I was showing them very specific techniques throughout the day, but then seeing what they were doing with these ideas, because they all have their own style, their own way of doing things, that everyone was taking these ideas back and working on them and creating something that was totally different than what I do. And I, that's what I like. And so when, you, when you're open to the process, when you're exploring the process, you've got to take risks because there is no right way of doing it because you as the artist have to figure it out. And so in a teaching environment, that's kind of scary. And I think that's one of the reasons why some teachers don't like to have an emphasis on process. They want to figure everything out because, you know, students can, can get frustrated. Students can fail, but you know what? We learn more from our failures. And so even if you're teaching yourself, even if you're looking at, uh, tutorials online, or you're going and taking classes, that notion of you taking some ideas and trying some other things and trying to, to solve some of your own problems, figuring stuff out, that is so much more beneficial than just let me follow this recipe. Let me follow this, you know, step by step and do exactly what they do because th- they, they've already figured it out. You know, there are things that you need to figure out. You can take some of those notions, you can take some of those ideas and bring it into your own work, but then that's it. Bring it into your own work, not copy, not mimic, not mime, but just kind of taking inspiration, taking ideas and infusing or incorporating it into the way that you do things. And that, that involves risk. That can be scary. Now, because of that, because of its of the open-endedness of it, because it's so student-directed, because it is more about taking risks, it's a much more authentic experience. So you as a student, if you're taking, or you as the teacher, have to kind of stand back and say, okay, l- let me allow the student to be an artist. It honors the student as an artist. It, honor, it honors their ideas, their skills, their strengths, um, the, the things that they bring to the table. It's not about do as I say. It's more about here are some ideas. What do you want to do with it? And I know that's that's difficult for a lot of people, um, you know, both teachers and students and that kind of are so used to having these projects and being told that this is how you do it. I know it's hard to kind of think about that. And I've had teachers. I've had some, you know, career teachers tell me that they, they can't see their, their students as artists. So whether, you know, they're teaching the college level, the, uh, you know, elementary level, high school level, or even teaching adults that, you know, they, they just don't see their students as artists and that 
they as the instructor have to sort of lead the the student by the hand to make these things to make them feel more successful at it um and but when the when it when it's all about the process then the ideas are much more transferable because it's not tied to a project it's about here are some ideas how do you apply that to to the work you do and so if you're that open to it from the beginning then the students really start to feel like yeah i'm taking these ideas and applying them they're, they're already transferring them transferring it to the way they work and i that's just the way that i teach now like i said i didn't always teach that way um so kind of thinking about this you know if you're an art teacher and you are the dictator you are the sage on the stage and you make all the decisions for the kids and you're looking at your kids artwork hanging out in the hall and it all looks the same i just encourage you to kind of think about how you could open up to the process and open the process to to the students and share that and and instead of saying oh let me let us make van gogh sunflowers or let us make you know, this time of year, you start to see lots of flowers, lots of trees, lots of spring-related things. Instead of having the kids make a flower or draw a flower or paint a flower, why not talk about spring? Talk about nature. Talk about the things that we start to see around and let the kids kind of decide. So, you know, you could still all use the same materials, but you're opening up the process a little bit. It's a, it's a process of coming up with ideas. How do artists come up with ideas? And I think that's part of it, too, is that a lot of people, and I've mentioned this before, just don't feel like they're creative. And so they want to be told, you know, so they want to be creative. But having a project is a way for them to feel creative without actually being creative. I mean, if there's no risk involved, then it's not really about being creative because you know, that definition that I like to use by uh, Sir Ken Robinson, that idea that creativity is about coming up with something new that has value. Well, if I'm just copying an artist, that's nothing new. The, that artist has figured that out. So how can I take what that artist is teaching me and do something new with it? That's where it becomes more creative. So if you're a teacher, whether it's public school, private school, little kids, adults, uh, whether you're a certified uh, you know, school teacher or you are a teaching artist that, that just goes around and teaches classes, um, thinking about how you can open up the process to your students and have them have more choice and more voice and have it be more about the process and not so much about the product so i just really encourage you to kind of think about that and then if you're a student or if you're an artist kind of thinking about you know where are your sources of inspiration and are you trying to copy what other people are doing so are you looking at video tutorials and just doing exactly what they do and making exactly what they're making or are you trying to put more risk in it are you just trying to take what they're showing you and see it as a way to try new things, to experiment, to uh, add to what you do, to, to kind of take in what they're sharing into the way you do things. So that's, that's the challenge, whether you're just an artist 
you know, looking for inspiration, looking for new ideas, or you're a teacher, or you're a student, or maybe you're all of the above, um, thinking about that idea of process versus product or project. And I kind of want to wrap this up by kind of by making an analogy that I think that maybe will help you think about this. And I'm going to kind of turn to another creative endeavor uh, with this analogy, but think about cooking or baking. Okay. Um, I don't know if you like to cook or to bake. I know I do. I, I cook most days. Uh, my mom was a baker for a grocery store. So she was a good cook, a good baker. Um, and think about recipes. Okay. So this, this whole notion of product versus project or process versus product or process versus project is like cooking. It's like baking whether you have a recipe or not. So if you have a recipe, if you're following the recipe, then that is about the project. A recipe has a known outcome. Someone has figured it all out. So some chef, some cook, some baker sat down and figured this out, or it's a recipe. Like my mom has recipes that, that have been passed down through the generations. And you know, this recipe is just somebody figured it out at one point years and years ago. And, uh, you know, so if you follow it precisely, you do exactly what it says, you come up with some delicious cookies or pasta or whatever it is that, that you're trying to cook or bake, you know, so that's it. That the recipe is like the project, like, you know what it's supposed to be. And if it doesn't turn out the way it looks in the picture from the cookbook or the, the way it did the last time somebody used this recipe, then then you're doing it wrong, you know, that, that you did something wrong. Now, think about, though, if you didn't have a recipe and you're hungry and you, okay, I want something for dinner. What am I going to have for dinner? And then you go and you look, well, what do I have? Oh, I have some vegetables. I have some pasta. Oh, I have some canned stuff. I've got some of this, some of that. All right, what can I make out of that? And so when you're creating from scratch, when you're creating a whole new dish, there's lots of risk involved. I mean, you might make something that is a complete and utter disaster. It might taste like garbage. You might have to throw it in the garbage. Okay, but you are relying kind of like what on what you know about cooking or baking. Um, you know, so that's kind of how I cook. So if I'm hungry, I'm like, oh, what do I want? Oh, I have some pasta and some veggies. Oh, let me saute up some veggies. Oh, I have some tomato sauce. Let me go ahead and, you know, put a little uh, tomato sauce in there. Oh, I got a little bit of this. Oh, I can put that in there. Oh, you know, put some salt. Oh, it's it's too salty. Oh, I'm going to put a little sugar in there, this, that. And then, you know, before, before long, it's like I've got something that I can eat. Sometimes it's awesome. Other times it's like, eh, you know, it's edible. It didn't go in the trash. That's good. Um, but that's, that's kind of a, a good way of thinking about it. It's like, are you looking for a recipe or are you looking to expand your knowledge so that you can take risks with confidence? And I think in part, maybe that's what it boils down to is that the reason that a lot of people, whether they're teachers or students or just artists out there trying to figure things out, the reason that they like projects is because of creative confidence 
You know, if somebody else made it, then you know, hey, that can be made. Somebody else made it, and if I follow their recipe, I can make that too. And I'm I'm being creative in the fact that I'm creating something. I'm making something. So remember, to make something does not necessarily mean that it's creative. Okay, it might mean that you're creating something or making something, but you might not be making something new, something different, something original. You might just be making or copying somebody else. So, um, but I think to me, that's what I want. I want my students to, to develop that creative confidence, that confidence to be able to try something on their own, to try something different, to take what I've been sharing and infuse it into the way that they work. I think a lot of times people do lack that confidence. And so it's much easier to look for a project to be like, oh, I'm going to do it just like that because that person's figured it all out. I don't have to figure anything out. And, you know, it's a personal, it's a personal thing, but I, I think as artists, and I, I know that's a strong word. Some people refuse to call themselves artists. I mean, when I was out in Portland at Art and Soul, I don't know how many times I heard people say, well, I'm not really an artist. It's like, you're making art. You're an artist. It's that simple. I mean, there, there's no nowhere that somebody like, you know, confers on you. It's, it's not like knighthood that you have to have, you know, the king or queen of creativity come out and, and, you know, anoint you you know, the creative, a creative knighthood kind of thing, you know, so you are an artist. If you make art, you're an artist. If you write, you're a writer. If you play music, you're a musician. If you sing, you're a singer. It's that simple. Um, but if a lot of us just don't have that creative confidence to even say that. So, you know, having something that is, um, more concrete, uh, something that is a project that you know is going to work might be a little bit more appealing. And I'll, I'll just make one last kind of analogy. And again, this is kind of looking at some other creative endeavors, thinking about music. And music's always different because a lot of times people try to compare visual arts with with music, and it there is something something to some degree but think of it this way if i as an artist copy somebody else then i get in trouble because that's plagiarism but musicians all the time play somebody else's music so somebody's written a song written music and then the musician plays it it's somebody else composed it so that's very different but i think it is it's the difference between playing music and playing somebody else's music and then being like a songwriter you know coming up with the music creating the music and i'm not saying one is better than the other but if we're thinking about creativity is it more creative to be a songwriter than it is a musician i'm not a musician so i can't really say i mean i know there's a lot of creativity in the way people interpret music but 
just something to, to kind of think about. So uh, anyway, I just kind of wanted to share ideas about this, this notion of product versus process and really encourage people, whether they're teachers, students, artists, all the above, uh, to think about how they can maybe encounter process more or explore process more in their creative endeavors, whether you know they're baking or playing music or whatever. Um, but just kind of wanted to share that. So um, as always, you know, thanks for listening. Thank, <laughs> thanks for listening to me ramble on and on. Um, but uh, as always, happy creating and uh, thanks so much. This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining me.